Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Say it with me. God has a plan and a purpose for your pain. Now sometimes we can just do some stupid stuff. And we can bring pain and all that upon ourselves. Isn't that right? But when the Lord allows things to come into your life, when he orchestrates it, when he allows it to come, there's a plan with it. And there's a purpose for it. And it is being used to empower you to produce something. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. God bless you, Kingdom Rock. Let's welcome our online community. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Wherever you are all around the world, we know that the Lord has a rich word uh, and an inspired word that will challenge you and that will also help you to grow in Christ. Thank you for joining us. And I want to also challenge you guys to join the Global 500. We're believing God for 500 persons that will sow a seed or give a gift of $100 or more into our media department. I'm telling you, the Lord is affecting lives from all over the world using this medium of media to touch people everywhere. We want to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world, and we need your help to do it. So go to our website at kingdomrock.org, kingdomrock.org. That's where you can give your gift, and we thank you so much for helping us to take this gospel around the world. Amen. Well, this morning, we want to go ahead and continue. We've been talking over the last few weeks, really from a series, so to speak, if you want to call it that, from a series entitled, Why Are You Hurting Me? Why are you hurting me? We've been looking at that at 1 Samuel, uh, the first chapter today. We want to conclude this uh, with the title of Don't Get Offended. Don't Get Offended. Last week, we talked about how, or for the last few weeks, we talked about how the pressure in your life, the pressure may lead you, should, should lead you into the presence of God where you would be empowered to produce your promise. The pressure or the pain should lead you into the presence of God where you can be empowered or will be empowered to produce your promise. In Hannah's case, it was the Samuel. God has a plan for your pain. God has a plan for your pain. God has a purpose for your pain. A plan and a purpose for your pain. Say that with me. God has a plan and a purpose for your pain. Now, sometimes we can just do some stupid stuff. And we can bring pain and all that upon ourselves. Isn't that right? But when the Lord allows things to come into your life, when he orchestrates it, when he allows it to come, there's a plan with it. And there's a purpose for it. And it is being used to empower you to produce something. You see, because there is eternity is on the inside of you. The day you were born again, the day you were filled with God's spirit, eternity came inside of you. 
There is a destiny that God has on your life, something that you are meant to do. There's a reason why you weren't killed in a car accident. There was a reason why you weren't killed when you were stabbed or, or, that, or when you were shot. Boy, you had a violent past, but let's move on. There is a reason why you are still breathing at this moment because there is destiny on the inside of you. And the devil's working very hard that you will not fulfill your God-given destiny. He does not want you to fulfill your assignment because when you bring forth, the world changes. See, one of the goals of the enemy, and we'll talk about this, is to try to belittle your assignment, to try to belittle you to think that you don't matter, to think that your part doesn't matter, when you actually do matter, such a great deal, such a great deal. And so we've been seeing here what the Lord is doing here in First, uh, first Samuel, and the Lord is, is showing this really, this is the path that the church is taking now, so please don't let this slip. In order for Hannah, or we can say even for the church today, uh, to produce the promises of God, there are three enemies that you'll have to face. Three enemies that you'll have to face. We've looked at this. The first enemy is torment. Torment as in embarrassment or irritation or worry. The enemy launches those enemies at you, tormenting you, persecuting you. Oh, you don't know anything. You'll never be this and you'll never be that. These type of torments can originate from your own household. They can originate from your own parents. They can originate from your siblings, from uncles. They can originate, uh, originate from classmates in school. Somewhere he wants to get into your psyche to prevent you from producing what God has in you. There is destiny on the inside of you, and your enemy has been tormenting you since birth. From, for some of you, he was tormenting you in the womb. His mama said, I don't want this. As daddy said, I don't want this. Trying to prevent you from becoming. So Hannah, we can see here, had to get aside or get over this first enemy of torment. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and pick it up here. Let's pick it up in verse number four. We're going to go further. Now, there are three enemies. The first one is torment. Verse four says here, 1 Samuel, the first chapter, verse four, 1 Samuel the first chapter, verse number four, hear me, because God is bringing you into destiny if you only hear, if you only hear. First Samuel, the first chapter, verse four says, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Paniah his wife and to all her children, rather to all her sons and her daughter's portions, verse five, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 6, and her adversary, now here's the torment, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Look at verse number 7. And this he did so, rather, and, and as he did so year by year, when he went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, Therefore, she wept and did not eat. This happened year after year after year after year. Provoked for so many years. Tormented for so many years. 
Somebody's been told that you are disappointment for so many years. Somebody's been told that you're not enough for so many years. These tauntings can come from people, and they can also come from within. As you tell yourself that you're, you're not worthy, you're not, you can't do anything. These are lies and tricks from the adversary. Verse number eight, after the, after the enemy of torment comes, compromise comes next. Verse eight says, then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why are you crying? And, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? He was trying to get her in a gentle way, in a nice way to compromise. Forget about the promise. Forget about your eternal destiny. Forget about it. Just let things be simple. You already have enough. You've got a good job. You've got a good career. You already got a family. You've already this and that. Why would you want more? But destiny was calling her from the inside as destiny is calling you as a spirit of God on the inside is, is I mean, this thing on, on the inside of you is burning like a fire, burning like a flame. There is something deep inside of you that God wants to manifest throughout the earth. But for some of us who say, I don't feel anything. I'm just a nobody. I'm just a nothing. I'm telling you the fire of God is present, but it has been suppressed deep within you, suppressed deep down. And it takes the people of God by the spirit of God to mine out, to mine out the good things that are within you and show you that those things, that those enemies' lies have been actually uh, deceptions and tricks planned to keep you from becoming who you really are. You are kings, you are priests, you are sons and daughters of the Most High God. If you are in Christ Jesus, you're more powerful than you ever know, than you can ever think, or than you can ever imagine. You are seated with Christ in the presence of God at the Lord's right hand in heavenly places. That's power. That's power. You have more power in your pinky than the devil has in his whole kingdom. That's power. That's power. You have power. You have authority. Through the name of Jesus, you have all things. You are connected with him. You are connected with Christ, connected with the source. Remember, Jesus gave us a witness there in John, the 15th chapter. He said that he is divine and we are the branches, signifying that we are divinely connected to the source, divinely connected connected to power the kingdom of God is actually right at hand it is right within your reach every resource that you need is actually right within your reach that's why Jesus said you don't have to look over there for something or look over there for something he says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you it's within your reach you'll find that you are only limited by the thing between your ears. You're only limited by your thinking, by what you have allowed to come in or out of your life, by what you think and by what you say. The only limitations are those that you actually put upon yourself. And so Elkanah verse 8 says, hey, why don't you just compromise? In short, why don't you just compromise and let all this stuff go? 
You've been dreaming about this business. You've been dreaming about this ministry. You've been dreaming about this and dreaming about that. Why don't you just let it go because it's just too hard? Just let it go. Let go of that promotion. Just let it go. Just let go of school. Just let it go. You can't do it. He's trying to get her to compromise. Now, look, let's go on verse number nine. And we're going to see now the beginnings of offense. Verse nine says, so Hannah rose up. Rather, let's yell. So Hannah rose up uh, after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now, Eli, the, the priest, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. So Eli, the high priest, sat at the door. There's a seat by the door. I want you to see something. If you look again, verse number nine, the very, very first part, it says, so Hannah rose up after everybody had eaten, after they had drunken. Hannah rose up. How did she rise up? Verse number 10 tells you, and she was in bitterness of soul and, and, uh, and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. So she rose up in pain, in anguish, in distress. She was at the point that she could not take it anymore. Now, normally people will change when they uh, can't tolerate any more pain. They will change when they uh, know enough or learn enough, and they will change when they grow enough. In her case, she could not take any more of this. I'm not sure if you've ever said, I've had it up to here, and I can't take any more. It was a song many years ago. I, I, I can't advocate it, of course. I don't advocate it. I'm just telling you what's coming to my mind this moment. A song that said, y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. Y'all going to make me act a fool. When you had it up to a certain point and you cannot take it anymore. told you you got to pray for him when you just can't take it I just can't do this anymore she's been taunted tormented year after year after year after year she's been embarrassed year after she's been talked about and 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 all these terrible things have happened to her so finally her husband just put it away stop worrying about it but she can't because there's something on the inside of her that won't let go. I often say, if you have a dream, if there's, there's a surefire test, a surefire way for you to know whether God gave you something. If you kill it and it stays dead, it wasn't God. But if you kill it or let it die and it rises up again, it resurrects, that's the Lord. And let me give you a personal word of testimony. So many times I wanted to kill Kingdom Rock. Don't look at me like that. So many times over the years I was stressed out big time. So many times I thought, how much more can I take? The pressure was so great. So great. And every time I wanted to kill it, let it die. It rose back up stronger. 
Every time I wanted to throw in the towel, I threw in the towel, the towel boomerang, and it came boomerang, and it came right back and hit me in the face. He wouldn't let, he wouldn't let me let it go. Because I tried to kill it, Nelson. I'm done with this. I'm done with church, and I'm done with church folk. If you kill it and it stays dead, it wasn't God. But if you kill it and it rises back to life, it's him. You cannot get away from it. And let me tell you, I'm so glad, so glad, so glad I didn't have my way. Hallelujah. I would have missed it big time. I would have missed it. God kept me. That's why I tell people I am what I am by the grace of God. By his grace. Are you hearing? And so she gets to dinner. And rather, she rises up from dinner. She's in pain. She's in agony. I cannot take this anymore. And she goes to the right place. She goes into the house of God. She gets there. As she comes inside the door, she sees Eli sitting in a chair at the door. And he's waiting. And he's watching to see who comes in and, and who goes out. It's his position. That's his job. His job is to examine the worshipers, to examine their sacrifices as they go inside the temple. Well, Hannah gets down at the altar, I believe, and she begins to pray, verse number 11. And she says, uh, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Isn't that wonderful? Now, if I had a danger thing right now, I would, I would let it ring. Danger, danger, Will Robertson, danger, danger. Because at the moment that you're communing and talking with God, that devil is very close by. Hear me. Here comes danger. The last enemy, the enemy of offense, is about to walk through the door. Now, offense comes with one thing, with one thing in mind. Offense has the power to shut you down. It has the power to shut you up. It has the power to lock you in. And lock your answer out. I wonder how many wives have been offended at their husbands and say, don't touch me. Don't touch me. How many husbands offended with their wives? Like, oh, I don't want to hear you talk. I just, I just your voice is really, oh. I'm sure that never happens online community. I'm sure it never does. How many friends have been offended one with another, don't want to talk to him anymore? Just swipe their, swipe their phones. Oh, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to. When you're offended, you shut people out. At the same time you shut them out, you also can, it's also very possible that you're shutting your answer out too. You can pray as hard as you, as hard as you can to seek God and receive things from yourself, but sometimes you're going to need somebody else. And it is the wisdom of God in many cases, sometimes, that he will use somebody that has offended you. 
Come on. Let's go a little bit further. I want you to know this. The devil, and I heard this in prayer. This is so very powerful. You can write this down if you like. The devil erects fences of offenses to keep you out of your promise. The devil erects fences of offenses to keep you out of your promise. It's his goal to make sure that you're so offended that you won't want to go back anymore. How many of you have ever been so offended after going to a store, after going to a restaurant somewhere? They offended you so much, you say, I'm never coming back here anymore. They may have had great food or whatever, but because of one person in there, because of that cashier, because of this person, that person, you said, I'm not going back anymore. You completely shut down. I'm done with this because you were offended. I was like that with that dog on Facebook. Don't talk to me about no Facebook. I don't hear nothing. I don't hear about hearing. I don't care what they ate, where they went, where they, I don't care. No, I don't hear nothing. How, how'd you hear about that? Facebook? Oh, I don't hear about that. I'm done with that. For a long time, I was offended. Let me tell you, that's another tell on Pastor Stroud day. Offended with social media. I don't hear nothing about it. Yeah, you ask my wife. Uh, she <laughs> pray for our online community. Pray for my wife. She felt the prickles. I don't hear nothing about that. But it's strange how the Lord will make that thing come right back around and say, hey, you got to get this right. You got to do it because there are people on there that need to hear. So go ahead. I deactivated my account, all of that stuff. I'm done with all of it. Then this just this past Friday morning, I'm gonna have to tell on another brother who's sitting right over there. He said that the Lord said for me to come on his show on the Facebook. I said, okay, I'll use my wife's account. But as I tried to use her account with that blame cell phone. It wouldn't work. And so I'm panicking now. Oh, it's time for me to come on and live on the Facebook. So I had no choice. Her account wouldn't work. I had to reactivate my account. Y'all don't hear me. I reactivated my account, still couldn't get on that blame thing, but it started something to happen. I had to say, Lord, why am I so offended with this thing? I realized I need to let this thing go. Okay, Lord. Because there's somebody that needs to hear a word. There's a promise in me. And the enemy tried to devalue that in me. No, there's a promise. There's a word that's down deep that somebody 
in that doggone Facebook land needs to hear. So I thank God for the man of God. He put me through some stuff and he didn't even know it. But the Lord has a way. The enemy erects fences of offenses around your answer, around people, around things. He says, you're not going to use this. You're not going to go there. Because he knows on the inside of that are people that you need to connect with. There are things you need to do for God. He says, I'm going to stop you with the spirit of offense. I'm going to make you so offended you won't even want to go there. Anybody ever been there before? So offended, don't, don't even talk. I don't want to hear the name. Don't even say they named in my presence. I'm done. I'm done. They're dead to me. I'm done. Come on now. Come on now. Be real with me. I can't get no talk online, community. I'm going to have to deal with offense. Look at verse 12. Now listen, verse 12. And it came to pass. Now this is happening now. All this happening in the church, by the way. Hannah get, got up from dinner and went into the church. And the preacher was sitting by the doorpost and she's going to pray and she's praying before the Lord. She's pouring out her heart before the Lord. Verse 12 says, and it came to pass as she continued praying, as she continued praying before the Lord, that, that Eli, the pastor, if you will, the priest, marked her mouth. He noticed something was off. Verse 13, now Hannah she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. He thought she was drunk, that she was tore up with the liquor. Are you hearing me? Verse 14 says, and Eli said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Now, here is this attack. She's in the house of God in a safe place. Don't get distracted. She's in a safe place or where she thought she would be safe in the house of God among the people of God. But here comes an attack. And you didn't really get it. So let me read that for you out of the, I'm going to read it for you out of the, um, yeah, let me go ahead and read it, out of the Message Bible. Look at 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 1, verses 12 through 14. Now the Message Bible. I want you to hear how this attack sounds through the Message Bible. I like the way it reads it. This is 1 Samuel 1, verse 12 through 14. And it reads like this. It, it so happened that as she continued in prayer before God, Eli was watching her closely. Hannah was praying in her heart silently. Her lips moved, but no sound was heard. Eli jumped to the conclusion that she was drunk. He approached her. Oh, man, you're messing up now. He approached her and said, you're drunk. How long do you plan to keep this up? Sober up, woman. Come on now. You have had a hard life. 
a hard time. You've been provoked and provoked and provoked and spit on and criticized and, and mocked. You've been, all this stuff has been happening to you. Finally, you, that is, she's had a lot of family problems, a lot of family drama. And she gets up from her family drama and says, I'm going to church. I got to talk to the Lord about what's going on. I can't take this anymore because they're going to make me lose my mind. So she finally gets up the nerve to go to church. And when she gets to church, she pours out her heart before the Lord. And here comes judgment coming her way. He says to her in the message Bible, you're drunk. You're a drunkard. How long do you plan to keep on sipping that? You need to leave that alone. He insults this woman. Here's the opportunity for offense. Here's an opportunity. Here's an attack right in this, this place that meant to be safe for her. She's an attack. She's attacked. Now, let me tell you now, the devil also comes to church. Can we take a pause to tell you that for a minute? The devil comes to church. He was in the garden with Adam and Eve. The devil was right there. The devil's in the time of sowing. Let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter. Let me show you this. Mark, the fourth chapter. When the, when the seed is being sown, when the word of God is being sown, that devil's perched up on a limb watching. Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 14 and 15 says this. The sower soweth the word. Verse 15. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and then take away the word that was sown in their hearts. The devil comes to church, too. Luke, the fourth chapter, Luke 4, verse 33 through 35 Listen to this. While Jesus was preaching in the house, Jesus, the son of God, son of man, while Jesus was preaching, something happened in the church. The Old Testament, it was called the Old Testament church, and it was called synagogue back in those days. They still have Jewish synagogues, but the Lord was speaking here in what we would call today the church. He said in verse 33 of Luke 4, verse 33, he says, And in the synagogue there was a man, in the church there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee that thou art the son, rather that thou art the holy one of God. Verse 35. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, in the middle of the church, he came out of him and heard him not. Imagine that. So the devil comes to church and there's some folk full of the devil in the church. Are you hearing? But here's the thing. Devil's there, but your answer is there too. If I was going to try to mess up God's plan for humanity, and if I knew the only people that could stop me was in the halls of the church, I'd be there every Sunday. 
so I can mess you up so you can't do what you do to get me out. Are you hearing? Yes, the devil comes to church, but oh, that we would have enough manifested light within us, enough Holy Ghost in us that would make him cry out, make him uncomfortable that he can't just sit there and, and go through the motions, that he can't be hidden, that he would cry out, what do we have to do with you? But listen, that's what the folk do for you on your job, and you think that's just your personality when they say, we don't like you. I know why you don't like me, because you're full of the devil. We don't like you. We don't want you here. That's what they're crying out. Now, sometimes it could be your breath. Let's move on. But if you're full of the Spirit of God, they'll say these horrible things about you, and you hadn't done a thing to them. And you wonder why they're so against you. Why they don't want you around? Why don't, why don't they include you in their little jokes on the side? Why don't they include you in their special meetings? When you wonder why are they so against you? It could very well be because of the power of God that's within you, the spirit of God that's within you, the light of Christ shining in you, and they're crying out against you, plotting against you, as if you've done something wrong. You say, I haven't done anything, but it's like you're on their hit list. The devil's there too. Trying to mess with your money, make your money funny. So you cannot give into the kingdom of God. Trying to mess you up, but the Lord has a way of making things turn around in your favor. This is why the Lord says, when you go to work the next day, hold your head up, don't hang it down. Because listen, they're going to talk no matter what you do or what you say. So you might as well give them something to talk about. You might as well go into the place like you own it, like your daddy owns it. My daddy owns this, everything around here. You might as well go into the place like you're a king, like you're a queen, and hold up your head and realize that there's more to you and that there are more with you than there are with them. Really? Realize that you have destiny on the inside of you and don't let the devil defraud what the Lord is putting in your heart and in your life. The enemy cries out because he likes to be hidden. He likes dark. And when you come and you turn the light on, he doesn't like that. And so he cries out against you. He cries out against you. But sometimes... It may not be the devil tormenting you in the house of God. Sometimes it's good people saying ignorant stuff. Ignorant and foolish stuff. Sometimes, if you pardon the phrase, it's just people with verbal diarrhea. They just don't know when to be quiet. And some good people can say some hurtful things to you. Eli said some hurtful things to her, and he thought he was right. When he said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? He thought he was rebuking her. He thought he was chastising her, maybe casting the devil out of her life, maybe trying to correct her. 
correct her attitude, correct her lifestyle, try to get back on, get her back on the straight and narrow. He didn't understand it was God doing a new thing in her heart, a new thing in her life. He didn't recognize it. He was part of an old anointing, an old move of God, but God was bringing forth something new and something vibrant through Hannah that the old didn't recognize. You can't put new wine in old wineskins unless the wineskins burst. Here was something new that God was bringing forth through Hannah that Eli didn't recognize. And because he didn't recognize it, he criticized it and he mocked her. When they criticize you, remember this criticism always is aimed against what you do. But mocking is aimed against who you are who you are he criticized her and he mocked her and thinking he's doing right but he didn't see he couldn't see what God was doing and so Hannah has to correct this thing because this is where the church is today as we begin to close shortly Hannah has to correct this thing because remember she's still in tears as she's on her knees I'm sure before the Lord crying out before him I can't take this. God, help me. God, help me. I can't do this. God, help me. I can't take another day on this job. I can't take another day in this family. God, help me. While she's doing that, he says, you're drunk. You're in sin. What? Can you imagine that? Prayer is a vulnerable place. You're crying out to God. You're vulnerable. You're wide open. And the preacher comes and says that you're in sin, judges you. You think offense can't come? How does Hannah handle this? Look at verse 15. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit, I have drunken neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Listen to what she says in verse 16. My Jesus, if you don't miss it. Oh, my goodness. Verse 16 says, count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Bilal. Say Bilal. Say Bilal. She said, count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Bilal, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken thereunto. Why would she, or rather, uh, thither to, or hitherto, why would she call herself, she says, don't count me as a daughter of Bilal. Now, that's one of the nastiest things you can say to somebody. And I'm going to show you this. She says, don't Count that. Don't think I'm that way. I'm not that way. Now, the word Bilal means worthless. It means good for nothing. It means wicked. It means ungodly. It means evil. Let's go back to the first mention of this Bilal here, and let's go to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 13. Let's go to Deuteronomy 13. Let me show you this. She says, count not me as a daughter of Bilal. Don't think that I'm a daughter of Bilal. Look at Deuteronomy 13. Deuteronomy 13, verses 12 through 15. And it says this, the Lord saying here, if thou shalt hear say, rather, if thou shalt hear say in one of thy cities, 
which the Lord thy God hath given thee uh, to dwell there, saying, if you hear somebody saying, in one of these cities that God has given you to dwell, to live, if you hear somebody saying these things, verse 13 says, uh, certain men, the children of Bilal, certain men, the children of Bilal, are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods which ye have not known. If these children of Bilal say, let's go serve other gods. Verse 14, then shalt thou inquire and make search and ask diligently and behold, if it be truth that the certain that this rather, if it be truth and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought among you. If it's really right that somebody's saying this, this is what you do. Thou shalt surely smite the inhabitants or kill the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, destroying it utterly and all that is therein and the cattle thereof with the edge of the sword. God said that city is worthy of destruction if the children of Bilal are there, kill them all. It is so, they are so wicked. If they're going in and influencing people, kill them all. How wicked is that? And we're going to see how wicked it is also in Judges, the 19th chapter. Look at this. When a, when a Levite and his concubine enter into a town, and it's somehow late at night, and they're sitting out in the street because they don't have a place to, to go, an old man in the town sees them sitting out in the street and he says, don't sit out here in the street all night long. You need to come in my house. Please come in here. Verse 22 says, uh, now as they were making their hearts merry, they're in the house with the old man. As they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Bilal beset the house round about and beat at the door and spake to the master of the house, the old man saying, bring forth the man that came into thine house that we may know him. The men of the city surrounded this house to rape the man that has come in. These were Children or sons of Bilal, wicked, evil, ungodly men. And so Hannah says here in verse number 16 again, 1 Samuel, verse 16, she says, Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Bilal. Don't think that I'm like that. This is why it's so powerful she said this. Don't think I'm one of those. No, no, I'm not one of those. I'm not wicked. Don't think that I'm wicked because his accusation was so sharp. You are drunk. She said, no, I'm not wicked. I'm not a daughter of Bilal. I'm not this. I'm not that. She says, count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Bilal. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, have I spoken hither unto? Look at Eli's response in verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. 
And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Now listen, here's the thing. This is how we're going to close out. Because this, these, this fence, the fence of offense was built and put up. She had the opportunity to get offended and leave the church. I'm trying to serve the Lord. I can't wait. My, you go, they go to work the next day or go home. I've been trying, having a hard time all week long. I'm just, I just went to church. Just want to just, just pray and seek the face of God. Just maybe God can help me. It was so hard for me to get to church. I had to, had to find the right clothes to get on. Then I, then I get there and people look at me. I got a tattoo and I, I got piercings and all this. And they, they look at me. But I finally get into the house of God. And they talk about me because I don't look like them or worship like they do. She had an opportunity to get offended. The fences were up, were erected all around her. Big fences of offenses. She could have stopped right there. But she said, mm, don't count me as a, child, as a child of Bilal. I'm not one of those. I'm not wicked. I'm not evil. I'm just really desperate for a move of God. When he realizes this, he releases a word for her. Eli, the one that offended her, or the one that could have offended her, had a word on the inside of him. This word was... The God of Israel grant thy petition. That's what she needed. A word from the Lord. But that word was surrounded by potential offense. If she'd gotten offended, if she'd gotten offended, she would never have gotten that word. And many of us leave way too soon. We cut it off way too early. We let our feelings take over and we walk out when your word was sitting right there on the other side of that fence, through humility and through bravery, she endured that barbed wire fence. Oh, it's cutting me. Oh, it's cutting me. Oh, it's cutting me. But she got through to receive that word because she couldn't get the answer by herself. She needed a word. Well, when he gave her that word, the Bible says uh, in verse number 20, or rather verse 19, it says, and they rose up in the early, in the, uh, the, in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah and Elkanah, knew his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Wouldn't you like to go to a place, hear me, where you walk in and you know the preacher is hearing from God and has a word from God for you? Wouldn't you like to go to a place when you come in sad and you walk out glad? 
She walked in the place sad and bitterness of soul, but she walks out her countenance no longer sad. And she witnessed, she ate, and she had a ball. Praise the Lord. She now she communed with God, but what's in the way? Offense. The devil goes to church too. And say, well, here's what the thing is. Here's the thing. We're stopping you. Here's the thing. So many people have gotten offended in church and said, I'll never go back again. They never got through the fences of offenses. If they had gotten through the fences of offenses, they would have brought forth their Samuels, their promises. They would have received their word because God is faithful. He'll use whoever he got to use. God is faithful, but we have allowed the enemy of offense to slay us. And there's so many dead on the battlefield through the, because of the sword of offense. Was plunged right through their heart, and they never took it out. They bled out. They bled out. There were three enemies she had to face. One torment. That is persecution. People talking, always talking about you, always talking about you, always trying to embarrass you. Always now, all this, of course, was at the place of God. She wasn't in the house yet, but she was there in Shiloh, the place of God. And the second enemy was compromise. Just let it go. Just stop all that. Just let it go. It's not working out for you. You've tried it several times. Just let it go. You failed at it. Just rejoice in it. Accept it. You'll always be normal. You'll always be usual. You'll never have this power ministry. Just let it go. Accept your lot in life. Compromise. She moved through that and to getting right here to the most deadly enemy. Offense. Can you resist offense? and forgive can you let it go give it to God and reach in oftentimes through pain to receive what God has for you realize that what you have in you is more valuable than you could ever think or imagine the sad thing is that many of us will finally, you're born again, you're saved, you know Jesus, and one day we'll die if, unless the Lord raptures us. I pray you rapture us now, Lord. I'm good with that. But if he tarries and we go by way of the grave, many of us will stand before the Lord having all of this power, and you'll turn around and you'll realize maybe through some mirror or something, and you'll see this big whirling ball of fire and power that's within you that you never let come out because you were offended. You'll see all of your potential. You realize that, whoa, God, I really was fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow, God, your spirit was really in me. Wow, God, I really had a destiny. I say, yes, you did. The angels will say, yes, you did. And you let offense stop you. You let the torment stop you. You let compromise stop you. You let money stop you. You let a relationship stop you. And we'll go through eternity thinking, my, I could have done so much more for you. 
This is one reason why I believe the Lord will say, and, and we're doing Revelation 21, where the Lord will have to wipe away all tears from our eyes. I believe some of that, those tears are regret. You could have done so much more. But we just couldn't get over the offense. So today, that's what we're going to pray about. We're going to pray about that today and ask the Father for the power of his spirit to overcome that spirit of offense. Those of you that have swords stuck in your heart, knives in your back because of folk that have offended you and said things about you, meaning nasty things about you, and you know, if the, you know the knife is still there, when you think about them, it still hurts. It still bleeds. You know the wound is still fresh even though it was inflicted many years ago. It's time to release that to God. And I believe by the Spirit of God that today is that day of healing and deliverance. So we're going to pray with our online community that are joining us. Oh, my goodness, I, oh, how I would love for you to be here today. But because you're not here, we're going to pray with you in Jesus' mighty name. And I'm going to believe, we're going to believe for the anointing of the Spirit to come right where you are and that change could come. And then after we're praying, after we finish praying with you, we're going to also pray here in the house of God, as many as would come to the altar, and we're going to get this thing dealt with in Jesus' name. But wherever you are, let's pray together right now. So, Father, I pray for, the, for our online community and those that are here right now. Lord, we have faced so many fences of offenses. We've become bitter. We've become hard. In many cases, we've become so angry at people, so angry at churches, so angry and so hurt. And much of it is hurt and angry about ourselves we have not forgiven ourselves, we have not forgiven our loved ones, not forgiven people that have hurt us and offend us, offended us, and that hurt has caused us to remain where we are, stuck in the same place. But Father, today, by the power of your Spirit, we ask you to help us to overcome the spirit of offense that we may enter in and possess the thing that you've called us to possess. Lord, we call even and declare the resurrection power of Christ to come alive on the inside of us, that that dream would be resurrected, that that goal would be resurrected, that that ministry, that business, that gift would be resurrected up from the graveyard. And Lord, we pray a fresh fire upon it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, we do warfare against that spirit of offense. We bind and rebuke it in Jesus' name. And we declare as the Lord Jesus declared upon the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We release the hurt we release the pain, we release the event, and we release our right to get back at them. For Lord, your word declares, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. We give you the right to make vengeance. But Lord, it is our responsibility to love them 
and forgive them the way you have loved and have forgiven us. So we release that one that has hurt us. We release that one that has offended us. We give them to you. And Lord, we do pray for them. We pray that they would get saved, that they would know you, Lord and Savior. We claim their souls, that they would not go into hell, but that they would rejoice with you forevermore. Lord, we pray a blessing upon them. In the name of Jesus. If you're watching this right now, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to invite him in your heart and in your life because you cannot forgive those deep wounds unless really Jesus comes inside. He empowers you to forgive completely. So I want you to pray the simple prayer with me. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith in Christ that saves you. So let's pray this prayer together. Just say with me, Father, I come to you, a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent. I've done wrong things. I've done bad things. I admit that. And I confess that through the power of your blood, the blood of Jesus, my sins can be washed away and I can be forgiven. So I receive Jesus as my master, my Lord, and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me, and I will serve you all the days of my life as you show me how. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the evidence of a changed life. I thank you from this moment forth. I declare that Jesus is my Lord. I am his. He is mine. We are one. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If you've just prayed that prayer by faith, believing in Jesus, and I would say welcome to the family of God. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. We love you so much. All right. Don't forget to go to our website at kingdomrock.org kingdomrock.org. Click that contact button and let us know of the decision that you've made today so that we can be praying with you. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.